20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me, of course, on Twitter or X at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack a Day Podcast. Appreciate you being here today. Before we get started, shout out to our new Pack a Day Podcast YouTube members, Billy Brown and Thomas Randall. Thank you, fellas, for joining. Hope you are enjoying all the bonus content. Speaking of which, I should have a bonus episode out this week. And yes, we will get back to our members only QA. Don't have a time and date set for this week yet, but that will be coming shortly. Do have a couple pieces of news and notes from the Packers sphere uh, from Monday. Let's start with the Packers, I think, basically finalizing uh, the one remaining spot that they really had open on their staff, and that is their strength and conditioning coach or coordinator. Uh, remember, they did fire Chris Gizzy as strength and conditioning coordinator and decided to go in a different direction. That was one spot that was wide open still and Green Bay needed to fill, and they did so by hiring Aaron Hill, who was the assistant strength and conditioning coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't have a ton to tell you guys about this. I mean, we could point to some of the things, and Bill Huber did a good job on his recap of pointing out, hey, you know, Christian McCaffrey was banged up a lot in Carolina. Hasn't really been an issue in San Francisco. Trent Williams had some issues in Washington. Hasn't really been an issue in San Francisco. So I know one of the big things, and, and people will point to one of the reasons that probably Chris Gizzy was removed was because of a lot of the injury issues that Green Bay has had. And maybe that's a sign of maybe San Francisco has something figured out to limit some of those injuries. I don't know. And I still couldn't look you in the eye and tell you that Chris Gizzy was amazing or terrible or something in the middle. I know he graded out well from the the players when they did the you know anonymous report cards you know this past off season, uh, but the 49ers did as well. I don't know. We'll like we'll have to wait and see. And I'm sure they probably hired somebody that is very competent. I know he's got his, I think, masters in kinesiology and sports uh, kinesiology. Um, he obviously has spent time with the University of Minnesota. Spent time in San Francisco. The resume looks great, but again, I don't have too much more to add on to that. I can't point to man. Look at all this stuff that the 49ers did in their strength and, and conditioning program to. It seemed to go well. They developed a lot of really good players. Like I said, some players who had some injury issues in the past didn't seem to have those flare up in San Fran. So hopefully that carries over, but your guess is as good as mine as to how that will ultimately work out in Green Bay. But they did fill that spot. Again, Aaron Hill. It will be interesting now if Green Bay finally pulls together their press conference of all of their new hires. We've still been patiently waiting for the Jeff Halfley uh, press conference and any other coaches that they've hired. We've not gotten that yet. And maybe that is coming now that they've hired Aaron Hill, but we will again have to wait and see. But that should be coming sooner rather than later. Meanwhile, the other piece of news is that the Packers did have three contracts that officially voided Darnell Savage, Keyshawn Nixon, and Yash Nyman. And I think the overarching feel is that if Green Bay wanted to keep those players, it would have been advantageous to have done so prior to them voiding. There would have been some potential savings that they could have received based on signing them to deals and basically pushing some of that money out further. There's just ways that it could have saved money. Let's just put it simply, but they didn't. And this is not a be-all end-all, and we have a great example of that by both Devondre Campbell and Robert Tunyon having their contracts voided, and then Green Bay still re-signed them to the roster. 
sometimes players want to hit the free agent market. And guess who really wants their players to hit the free agent market? Their agents. You want to be able to go to every single team and say, hey, you know, go to the highest bidder. So their agents and those players may have said, hey, yeah, I, we get that it would save you guys some money if we sign now, but we would much rather have you have to bid for our services against 31 other teams. So yeah, I'm sure Green Bay, if they wanted a couple of those players back, would have preferred to have had something done by end of day on Monday. It just didn't happen that way. And while I do think if they wanted to really have that done, they probably would have pushed a little bit harder and maybe try to get that done prior to the deadline. They didn't. I still don't think that that's a ultimate nail in the coffin for Nixon or Savage or Yash Nyman. It just may be a little less likely that they get something done and especially less likely because they will become unrestricted free agents, but not impossible. Certainly within the realm of possibility that you could see any of those players back in Green Bay. If I had to guess, I think Keyshawn Nixon is more likely than the others. I think they probably move on from Yash. I think they probably move on from Darnell Savage. But again, crazier things have happened. They have gone this route in the past. And while I'll say it one more time, it probably would have been more likely if they were back in Green Bay that this would have gotten done on time. It's by no means a you know final closing of the chapter and saying, that's it, Savage and Nixon and um, and uh, Nyman are done in Green Bay. It's not that simple. They will have the opportunity to, I'm sure, go on the open market. And I bet Brian Gudikins is going to follow a very Ted Thompson, uh, you know, esque strategy here, and basically say, "Hey, go to the open market. Let us know what the highest number is, and we'll let you know if we're willing to match that or improve upon that. And if not, best of luck with your next team. And this is just business. So." maybe less likely that they're back, but not impossible. And we're just going to have to kind of see how the offseason plays out to see if any of them actually do, in fact, end up back in Green Bay. Don't lose any sleep over it, though. I, I would say this, and I've said it all offseason. I'm not stressing over any of the free agents. I don't think any of them are core members of the roster. None of them. Not a single one. Not Dylan, not Nixon, not Savage, not... John Runyon Jr., not, none of the voids or the free agents are must-haves. There are some nice-to-haves. Keyshawn Nixon, probably a nice-to-have. I could even make a small argument that John Runyon Jr. would be a nice-to-have. There's a couple of those in there, but none of them are core players and the core identity of this team. And if all of them walk and you have to replace all of them with you know some cheap free agents and, and some draft picks, you're probably not losing any sleep over it. Like I said, we'll wait and see to see if any of them end up back. But if they don't, not not a huge issue in my opinion. All right, let's jump into our main topic for today. And that is, is this Packers team legitimately ready to contend for a Super Bowl? Or maybe more importantly, what are the pieces that they are legitimately missing in order to actually have the ability to compete for a Super Bowl? Now, this is an extremely complex conversation for a variety of reasons. One, there is no perfect way to build a roster. If there were, everyone would build it the exact same way. We know that there's premium positions. We know that you want all pro caliber players at as many positions as you can, specifically those premium level positions. But there is no perfect calculus as to how you put together a A1 championship contender. We saw two very different teams in Kansas City and San Francisco competing in a very competitive game going into overtime and Green Bay should have probably beat that San Francisco team in San Francisco. They beat Detroit in a previous game in Detroit earlier this season on Thanksgiving, and that would have been their next opponent. And they beat Kansas City earlier this season. 
Green Bay was right there, despite having a ton of dead cap, despite having the youngest roster in the league, despite being extremely inexperienced from a playoff standpoint, despite having a first-time starting quarterback, so many weapons that were in their first or second year. You know the logistics of this team. This was not a team that was expected or ready to compete, allegedly, in 2023. Yet, here they were, very much competing and very much in that conversation towards the end of the season to the point where they should have beaten the 49ers, a team that took the Chiefs to the brink and went into overtime and had every right to win the Super Bowl. So it's hard to point to Green Bay and say, nah, they can't win it when they were pretty darn close in a season where they weren't even supposed to be remotely close. So of course, of course, Green Bay could win a Super Bowl. Do they need some things to go their way? Yes. Do they need to fill out the roster in a very smart way and get some things right this offseason? Absolutely. Do they need some injury luck going into next year? Yep. Do they need some guys to continue to progress in the right direction? Yes. Can they have a ton of players regress in their second season or from where they were a season ago? Nope. All of those things are going to play into it, but no matter what way you slice this, Green Bay is a legitimate contender from here on out with the roster that Brian Gutekunst has built. But there are some legitimate holes in this roster. And if we are comparing them to Super Bowl winning teams, you can see where there are some question marks that this Packers team is going to have to answer. And that those holes that are there, Brian Gutekinds is going to have to do his best to fill those to the best of his ability to make it so that this is a legitimate contender moving forward. Because I will say this, while I think Green Bay had every right to go on that run a season ago based on the way that they were playing and maybe have a chance to beat San Francisco. And obviously they beat Dallas and then beat Detroit and beat Kansas City. They, again, they they showed during the course of the regular season and at the end of the year that they were right there with those actual teams. They beat Dallas. They should have beat San Fran. They beat uh, Detroit earlier in the season. In Detroit, they beat Kansas City earlier in the season. So they're right, they're, they're right there. They're right on the doorstep. But what I will say is there are certain things that allow you to win consecutive games like that in a row in a huge playoff style atmosphere. And when you don't have some things like the premium high-end talent, it makes it really, really difficult to go and beat Dallas and beat San Francisco and then Detroit and then Kansas City or whoever those teams might be next year. The better talent that you have at the more premium positions, it's going to give you more opportunities to have maybe a situation like Green Bay had with San Francisco this year where Darnell Savage blows a player you know, in a tackle on Christian McCaffrey or a couple things don't exactly go your way, but you're still going to have other outs because other players can step up and make big plays and get you right back in that game. It comes down to talent. It comes down to playmaking. It comes down to high-end talent. And Green Bay probably needs a little bit more of that if they want to be a consistent high-end Super Bowl contender. So I'll say it one more time. This is a very complex topic. I'll say that I absolutely believe that Green Bay is now well within their right to be in that conversation, but we can also make the very strong argument that there are some gaps on this roster, especially right now as we head into the offseason, that they're going to have to fill if they want to be not only a legit, legit contender to actually hoisting the trophy, because being in the conversation for hoisting the trophy and actually hoisting the trophy are two very different things. And we saw that where even in a game where they should have won and they arguably outplayed San Fran, San Fran won that game and went on to the NFC Championship and Green Bay got sent packing. So they're going to have to be better. They're going to have to improve. I say it all the time in the NFL, you are green and growing or you are ripe and rotten. 
If you are done growing, if you're done getting better, it's just over. And we saw that in 2022. That team that the Packers put out there in 2022 had no more room to grow. They could not get better. And that's what Brian Gutekin said going into 2023. He said, we had to get better. And in order to do that, we had to give players the opportunity to play. We had to get younger. We had to get more playmakers and they had to have the ability to grow. We had to restart something and get it growing again because they reached a point in 2022 where that team was no longer in a position to grow. They were clinging on as best they could, really even in 2021 towards the end. And then 2022, they tried to hold on for one year too long and it went in a disastrous way. They almost got in the playoffs at the end. Kudos to them for that. But they were no longer growing. They were clinging on. And that's no way to win. Now, Green Bay needs to continue to grow. But let's go position by position through this and really sort out, do they have the players at each of these positions to legitimately compete for a Super Bowl? Meaning, if you were putting together a Super Bowl roster, could you build it with the players that the Packers have on their team? And if not, where are those holes? Where are those gaps? And what does Green Bay need to do to fill those? So let's start at quarterback, which if we're talking about nuanced conversation and how delicate of a topic this is, we can start right away with Green Bay at quarterback. I think everyone that was left doubting Jordan Love is pretty much pretty quiet these days, to say the least, if not uh, humbled in some capacity. Jordan showed everything that he needed to show to prove that he is not only a legitimate starter, not only can he help this team win games, not only can he go into a tough atmosphere in Dallas and win a playoff game, but he showed legitimate signs of potentially, potentially being an elite quarterback. You do not get an elite quarterback tag by playing well through eight or nine consecutive games in one season. You get that by an extended period of success through multiple seasons and doing it at the highest of levels over and over and over again. And clearly Jordan cannot be there because he's only had one year as a starter. But the flashes that we saw from really middle of the season, Pittsburgh-ish uh, game up until the end of the year were pretty remarkable and showed that he has the ability to not only be a legitimate starter, not only win you know playoff games on the road, but potentially be a top five starter in this league. I'm not saying he's there yet. Nobody needs to crown him quite yet, but he showed the flashes and the potential to be that, you know, that caliber of a quarterback. That being said, the San Francisco game was not great. We saw a Giants game down the stretch that was not great. We saw a pretty small sample size of legitimate, really great quarterback play, but it's still a pretty small sample size. Do I think that Jordan can be a Super Bowl quarterback? I can look you in the eye and tell you, I think that he can. I absolutely believe that he is a talented enough thrower, a good enough decision maker, a you know, he does a, a good enough job reading defenses, getting his his team in positions to be successful, but there are some things that he needs to get better at. His deep ball accuracy, yeah, we saw his overall accuracy get better, but there's still some layups that he needs to hit a little bit more often. And we saw from time to time there would be a game here or there where he got a little bit loose and maybe like, you know, even that final decision in the 49ers game where there would just be a, a bit of an odd decision. Does that give me great concern? It doesn't. I think he's going to be, like I said, a great quarterback. And I think he's answered almost every question that he has had to answer. And I am super excited about where he is headed and what I think he's ultimately going to become. When Matt LaFleur says like the sky's the limit, like legitimately, I don't think we've seen peak Jordan Love. And if we have not seen peak Jordan Love, that should give a lot of other teams a lot of cause for concern because he already looked great. And I do legitimately believe that he is going to even get much better. 
That is a scary, scary thought for the rest of the league. So I, I believe that Jordan has that ability, but he has to prove that. He has to prove that with consistency week in and week out. And then you also have the question of the backup quarterback. Now, this is far less concerning. Whether or not Sean Clifford can be a worthy backup quarterback in a Super Bowl scenario is probably an irrelevant question. And it kind of goes back to the old Peyton Manning days when they did not have a backup quarterback for Peyton Manning. And they said, you know, why do you not have a legitimate backup for Peyton Manning? And their answer was, if Peyton goes down, we're effed. And we don't practice effed. Like it was basically as simple as that. If they lose Peyton for any period of time, they know their season's in the tank anyway. Now, Philly has proven otherwise. When they won, Carson Wentz was their starting quarterback. He goes down and they win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. So the proof has been there of, hey, if you end up with a pretty darn good start, you know, backup quarterback, it can pay huge dividends. It got Philadelphia a Super Bowl. If they didn't have uh, even a Nick Foles caliber quarterback, they don't win the Super Bowl that year. Now, whether or not Sean Clifford can be that or not, again, I think it's mostly irrelevant. If Jordan goes down, your season's probably just screwed. I do like the fact that Sean Clifford is a wild card, meaning I don't think anyone really knows what we're going to get in that situation. He showed a lot of really great stuff in preseason. I think he can be a little bit of a game manager with a little bit more flair to it. He's got that athletic ability. He's won a lot of games in high school and in college. I think he can get you by a four-game stretch and try to get you to two and two. I think he can do that. Do I think he can go in for Jordan Love and go through a playoff run and win a Super Bowl? No, but like that's happened like once almost ever. It just doesn't very it doesn't happen very often. So I, again, I'm the backup quarterback thing, I'm cool with Sean Clifford. And the last thing you want is, you know, Green Bay to go out and spend, you know, what, what did, um, you know, what if some of those, the backup quarterbacks get Chase Daniels, the one I was trying to think of, he got like $10 million, I think like in a per year, like the last thing you want to do is take some of these very finite amount of funds that Green Bay has to go out and spend and spend any of that on a veteran QB in case something happens. If something happens, you're probably just screwed. So just stay screwed is probably the best route at quarterback. And again, we don't know what we're going to get from Sean Clifford. So the ultimate answer here, do I think Green Bay has the the quarterback position set to make a Super Bowl run? I do. There's still going to be some things that Jordan's going to have to prove, but as we sit here today, I feel confident. I'm excited about it. And I would say that this is a quarterback group that can ultimately go on to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback position group. All right, let's go to running back. And this one's pretty easy. And I think a lot of the other ones are going to be a lot easier than quarterback, but Aaron Jones, clear and obvious number one running back. And to me is a Super Bowl caliber number one running back. I think we could look at somebody like an Emmanuel Wilson and say, that's a good enough number three running back. If you need to put him in, in some emergency situations as a number three, or if it ends up being a Patrick Taylor or somebody like that, you feel ultimately fine. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to set the world on fire, but it's fine. The big gap here, and really one of the, the main gaps on offense is that number two running back position. And they just don't have that on the roster right now. And I don't think you feel comfortable with Emmanuel Wilson being that number two. So we know that Green Bay is going to have to go out, whether it be via free agency or trade or the draft. Maybe it's bringing back A.J. Dillon. That doesn't move the needle enough for me because we saw A.J. Dillon in that role just last year. And while I think he's an okay number two to Jones, if Jones is healthy, I think he sort of proved that he's not a good enough number one if Jones isn't healthy. And Jones is reaching that point in his career where you don't want to give him a ton of touches and Green Bay has never had a propensity to give him a ton of touches. And he's coming off the most injured year of his entire career. And that's probably going to happen more 
rather than less with the age that he is at. So you need a legitimate number two running back. It is a gap on this team and something that Goody is going to have to fill. Wide receiver is another really interesting conversation here. To me, it's all about that number one wideout. And I don't really care if Green Bay has a quote unquote number one wideout. Guess who was the number one wideout in the playoffs? Romeo Dobbs. And he was fantastic. He was absolutely amazing in their two playoff games. And he looked like a legitimate number one in those two games. Do I think he can do that for a you know 20 game season, 21 game season? Probably not. I don't I don't think so. But you know what? The the week before that, I think it was Bo Melton going over 100 yards, and it was Jaden Reed going over 100, and I don't know if it was Wicks or whatever. Like we've seen Watson have these huge games. The point being is that there's going to be a different number one wide receiver, varying dependent upon the situation, dependent on who's having a good game, the matchups that they have going against them. There's a variety of different things there, but I think they have a variety of mismatches that they can go to at the wide receiver position. And if you just look at it this way, like let's just let's slot Christian Watson in at one. Is Christian Watson right now, to me, like a real legitimate high-end number one wide receiver? He's not. But if you slot everything after that, Jaden Reed, really good number two, Dontavian Wicks, ridiculous number three, Romeo Dobbs, or and however you want to order these, right? No, and, and you could put Jaden Reed as your one and Watson as your two, and then Reed probably not quite good enough as a one, but Watson or Dobbs or Wicks, all of those guys as your two, three, four, Bo Melton as your five, Malik Keith as your six. You feel awesome out of every single one of those slots. The question remains is what about the number one? And as I said, I'm not super worried about it because they have the overall depth at the position. They have all different sorts of playmakers, guys who can do all different sort of things. It's it's gadget guys, it's slot guys, it's outside guys, it's deep guys, it's possession guys. They've got everything. Every flavor that they need to be successful, they have at wide receiver. So I have zero concern about that. What you have to be left wondering is it is fourth and eight, game on the line. Do you have that guy that you can count on that you know, no matter what, he's going to get open? And that I think is the one thing that somebody's going to have to step up and take that role. And maybe it's Wicks, maybe it's Reed, maybe it's Dobbs, maybe it's Watson, maybe it's Heath, maybe maybe it's Bo Melton, who knows? But I do think somebody's going to have to step up and say, hey, third and eight, fourth and nine, whatever it might be, look my way, I will get open, and I'm going to be my, the go-to receiver in those go-to situations. That's the one thing I think still needs to get answered. The overall depth and talent at the position is ridiculous. And my ultimate answer to be, can they win at you know, win the Super Bowl with the receivers that they have, my answer would be yes. Tight end, same thing. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, Ben Sims, these guys need to continue to grow, but the trajectory that they're already on, even what I just saw out of them last season, you know, last year, if Tucker Kraft and Luke Musgrave play that similar style of football, and we haven't even really got to see, you know, had the opportunity to see them as, you know, a, a two tight end set, because really by the time Tucker Kraft broke out, Musgrave was injured and then, you know, Musgrave comes back and then it just, they never really got that opportunity to be that true one, two tight end combo. I am so excited to see what they can become as the the tandem tight end group. And then I think Ben Sims is a number three. I'm excited about that too. I think he can end up being a pretty darn good blocking tight end. And I think he can even be a little bit more than that. I love this group and I absolutely believe that they can be a Super Bowl worthy tight end group. That brings us to offensive line. This is another tricky one. 
I feel fairly confident if Green Bay needs to go into the season, Rasheed Walker at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Sean Ryan at right guard, and Zach Tom at right tackle, that that is an acceptable and, uh, you know, an offensive line that you can win with. And they, again, they basically should have won with that line against San Francisco. They did win with that line against Dallas. But what I will say is a variety of things here. I think they are a guy short here, meaning Elton and and Zach Tom are both very good offensive linemen. I like Rashid and I think he's going to continue to get better. I, Sean Ryan, I know that there's a little bit of an excitement about he got outplayed by John Running Jr. at the end of the year, and he actually did not finish the year strong. If he's your weak link as your fifth, I think you're probably feeling okay. But I do believe that the tandem inside of Sean Ryan and Josh Myers would give me some legitimate pause going into next year. Furthermore, depth becomes a major issue. Bakhtiari is going to be gone, even if he's somehow crazily not. Again, it's really tough to count on anything at this point. John Runyon Jr. potentially gone. Yash Nyman potentially gone. Royce Newman is a very likely cut candidate. And all of a sudden, after you're starting five, there's just not a ton there. You've got Luke Tenuta. You've got Caleb Jones. That's really it. There's not, there's not much else there that at least, and even Luke Tenuta and Caleb Jones, I don't know that you are super excited if any of them have to play extended playing time. So I think you are a starter short, meaning like I would love better competition. I just love a better player for Sean Ryan or Josh Myers, even competition for Rashid Walker would be great. Again, I think they can get by with it for now, but I think they need one more legitimate starter. And I think they need some much improved depth from where they're at right now. I've talked about it. Jordan Love is already to the point where if you protect that dude, he's going to put up points with this playmaking group over and over and over again. You just have to protect him. You've got to give Aaron Jones some running lanes and then you're going to be really good on offense. You're going to have a lot of 30-point performances, in my opinion. But that offensive line needs to be better. We've seen some red zone issues. That's in large part, in my opinion, due to some of the, the lack of physicality on the offensive line and being able to move some piles and get some yardage when you absolutely have to have it. So I believe that they need to get a, a couple more guys on that line and potentially even a couple more starting caliber offensive linemen if they really want to take that step and be a dominant line, which is just going to open up everything for them on offense. So that's where I'm at. I will say no right now. It's close, but I will say that this offensive line is not quite there yet to be a legitimate Super Bowl offensive line, meaning they've got Walker, they've got uh, Elton Jenkins, Josh Meyer, Sean Ryan, and Zach Tom as their starters with Luke Tenuta and Caleb Jones as their top backups. To me, that is not quite good enough. Obviously, they need depth, but I think they need at least one more legitimate starter probably for Sean Ryan, maybe for Josh Myers, but I think they need to make some improvements there if they really want to get better and be more consistent on offense, especially, especially, especially in the red zone. Defensive line, Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks, and Colby Wooden. I feel good about that interior, especially now because you're not really playing three defensive linemen at any point anymore. It's going to be two on the interior. And they've got now five guys that can rotate in two spots. I talked about it with Justice yesterday. I really like the idea of Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton at the nose with a lot of Carl Brooks and uh, Devontae Wyatt at the three technique. And then Colby Wooden being that fifth guy is needed as well. Really the third three technique. You've got Jonathan Ford as another nose if you would ever need to dip into it. I could make the argument of like, hey, I would, I would love 
because if right now Kenny Clark's your one, Devontae's probably your two, or if you want to put Brooks there, Slayton there, you've kind of got three guys that are in a similar category right now in Slayton, uh, Brooks, and, and Wyatt. And then you've got, you know, sort of your your next guy and, and Colby Wooden is more of your light rotational duty. I feel like that's good, but imagine if you just bump everything down. If you were able to get, especially with where Kenny Clark is at right now in his career and how many snaps that he's played, if you can move Kenny Clark to number two defensive tackle, and then you know you've got that next group of of Wyatt Slayton and Brooks, but you moved a player ahead of Kenny Clark, and maybe that is Devonte Wyatt, maybe that's Carl Brooks, maybe that who knows. But if you could add a player in front of him and Kenny becomes your two, now you're really talking about a impressive defensive line. But I will say yes, I think they can win the Super Bowl with the group that they have right now. But I would love one more really big time game wrecker in the middle of that defensive line if they really wanted to be a big time impact defensive front. Defensive end, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, LVN, Kingsley Nigbari, Brenton Cox. I'll say yes here, but it's a little bit complicated as well. We need a Rashawn Gary that is far superior to the one that we saw at the end of last year. I do think he hit a wall coming off the ACL injury. That can't happen next year. He needs to be a legitimate game wrecker. LVN needs to take a step. I think Preston Smith is going to benefit from this move, and I do expect him to be back, and I do expect him to be able to rush the passer a little bit more, which I think is advantageous for both the defense and for Preston Smith. And Igbari is going to be coming off the, the you know, I, was it an ACL? I can't remember if it was an ACL or an Achilles. I think it was an ACL, but he's going to take some time to get back. They probably could use one more player here. I think this is good enough. I would put defensive tackle and defensive end into a group together and say, I think they could really use one more playmaker. I really, really do to really be sort of a a game wrecker up front and give them one more guy to just provide consistent pressure. I don't think it's like an ultimate need. I think they can get by without it, but man, would it be a nice to have to really take them to the next level, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Inside linebacker, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, and then you've got Devondre Campbell, who I do not expect to be back. To me, this position is not good enough right now. I think they need one more legitimate starter and somebody that would pair well with Quay Walker. I think Quay is going to be set up for success in this defense better than he was in Joe Barry's defense, but you need to see him take a step. I think that can be easily one of your starters, but I think you need one more person to pair next to him. I feel good about McDuffie as your three. And then I think you need a couple guys that can push McDuffie and just probably more developmental guys who can also play some special teams. But I, right now, I do not think inside linebacker is good enough. And I think they're going to have to add to that room. Corner, we've talked about the last couple episodes, so I'm not going to drag on about it here. Jair Carrington, I think, can be starters on the outside. Eric Stokes is a lottery ticket, but you need a slot dude at minimum. And then you need a couple of really nice depth pieces there. So as of right now, I would say corner is not ready. And we know that safety is not ready. Anthony Johnson Jr., Zane Anderson, Benny Sapp III, the only three under contract, or like there may have been a couple practice squad guys, but the only three players of note under contract. And right now, I don't think you have any starters in that group. Like Anthony Johnson, you probably want as like a four. Zane Anderson is like a five and a special teams guy. Benny Sapp, probably more as a practice squad guy fighting for a spot, but you need two legitimate starters there. At kicker, I think Anders Carlson is either going to need to improve or you're going to have to find a better kicker at that spot. I feel confident in Whalen. And then Matt Orzik was inconsistent enough where I still have some potential questions as to whether or not he can be that long snapper. So that's like sort of a, you know, micro view of, you know, the position by position. But I think there's some overall things that we need to look at as well. 
The the first one I'll say is overall special teams play. Not good enough. Like you cannot be a bottom three special teams and expect to be good enough. Especially if like you're not like a supercharged offense and defense. Like if you had like a top five offense, top five defense, and you ended up being like the 28th special teams, yeah, you can probably get by. But they're not going to probably be that. They're probably going to be hopefully in the top 10 of offense and they hopefully make a big step on defense, but they need to take a legitimate step on special teams as well. Far too many mistakes, missed extra points, missed field goals. I know a lot of that goes along with kicker, but the overall special teams play was not good enough and it has to be better. Uh, overall playmakers, I think they have enough. I think they they could always use more. Every team could, but Jordan showed playmaking ability. Aaron Jones is a playmaker. They've got a plethora of playmakers at wide receiver and tight end. I think offensively, they have a play, you know, enough playmakers. If Keyshawn Nixon's gone, they could probably use one more playmaker on special teams, but Jaden Reed, pretty good playmaker at punt returner. And then defensively, that's where I think you still have to question, do you have enough playmakers there? But if players play to their peak with Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, and, and maybe a couple guys take steps here and there, I think they can get there. But this defense is going to have to really accentuate the strengths of what these players do well and really bring out the best of the Jairs and the Rashawn Garys if they want to have enough playmakers and defense. But overall, I do think they have enough playmakers. The big one here, and I've talked about this in the past, is do you have enough elite players? Look at KC. Patrick Mahomes, elite. Travis Kelsey, elite. Creed Humphrey, elite. Trent McDuffie, elite. Chris Jones, elite. Harrison Butker, elite. They had six elite players. And quarterback, pass rusher, tight end, offensive lineman, slot corner, some pretty important positions where they had elite players at. The 49ers, we could argue Brandon Ayuk, but he was number two by PFF. I would argue elite wide receiver. We could argue Debo Samuel. I don't know that I'd put him in the elite category, but I'll say Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, all in the elite category. Green Bay, nobody. Keyshawn Nixon was a first-team All-Pro as a kick returner. I think that was more based on what he did in 2022 than what he did in 2023, if we're being honest. And nobody else was worthy of an All-Pro. There just wasn't. Rashawn Gary was not at all. Uh, Zach Tom, I love Zach Tom, but he's not in that upper, upper echelon of the, the Trent Williamses of the world, that offensive line. Jordan at times showed that he was close to being there, but like you're also still going against... Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, like there's a pretty high level and a pretty significant bar that he would need to get to to be in that elite, elite category. You go back to the Packers' last Super Bowl team, they had a lot of elite players on that team, all pros, defensive players of the year, future MVPs. Green Bay needs a few more guys to get to that level. Not a few more, a few, period. And I think Jordan Love can get there. I think there's a couple wide receivers on the roster that can get there. You know, I don't know that Aaron Jones is ever going to be a top five running back, but we know in his own way, he's like an elite player. I don't know if Zach Tom can get there or Elton Jenkins can get there, but they're not too far off. Rashawn Gary has the ability to get there. Jair Alexander can get there. So there's there's players on this roster who ultimately I think can get to that level, but they're going to have to continue to step up and be better if they want to be elite players. And I do believe you need a handful of elite guys, ideally at elite positions, if you really want to make that significant run and be a team that is constantly challenging for that Super Bowl. That's where I think Green Bay really needs to take that next step with a handful of their guys. And then, you know, there's other things that go into this as well. Chemistry and tangibles. I think Green Bay has that. This is a pretty tight-knit team. I think they really performed well a season ago. 
Um, they have that chemistry. They showed what they could do, you know, at the end of the year to get in the playoffs and then go and beat Dallas and Dallas. So I think they have that. And I think they have the coaching too. A key piece of that is going to be the defensive coordinator spot and what Jeff Halfley brings to the table. He's going to have to be a significant improvement over what Joe Barry was. I think he can be, but time is going to have to tell. And we'll wait and see to see if uh, he can be that. But I think this coaching staff ultimately has the ability to get there as well. So what does that mean ultimately that Green Bay is missing? Running back two, that is a clear gap and hole on this team right now. I still think they need somebody to step up as that go-to weapon in key situations. I think they need at least one more legit offensive line starter and some legitimate offensive line depth. I think they need one more playmaker in the front seven. Ideally, you would love that on the defensive line. I think edge rusher could be another potential possibility there. I don't think it's a a must-have but I think it would be really, really nice, like I said, to supercharge that defense and give you one more big playmaker in that front seven. A starting inside linebacker, inside linebacker depth, a slot corner, a legitimate starting slot corner, two starting safeties, cornerback depth, a kicker, and you need some players to step up at that elite level. Now, I will say this. That sounds like a lot. That's sort of like your ideal list of like, if you're really building out this perfect Super Bowl caliber team. I don't think they need all of that. I know they don't need all of that. They were pretty dang close this year without a lot of that stuff on the roster this past year. But I do think they're going to need to fill at least a decent portion of what I just went over if they do legitimately want to be a team that, like I said, is not only competing for a trophy, but is actually hoisting that Lombardi trophy and bringing it back to Green Bay because there's a huge difference between those two things. Like I said, they don't need all of it. It doesn't need to be perfect. And while that shopping list might seem fairly aggressive, remember that they do have five picks in the top 100 of the draft, 11 draft picks overall is what they're expecting. They're going to have free agent money to spend if they want to go in that direction. And they have a ton of young players that are ready to grow and take a step up and be better in 2024 than what they even were in 2023. I don't think it's impossible that they can fit, fit and fill a huge portion of those positions that I just talked about. Is it going to be perfect? No, there's no roster that's perfect. Kansas City had far from a perfect roster. I mean, that wide receiver group, thank goodness Rasheed Rice stepped up, but they were struggling mightily for a huge portion of the season. I mean, they had Joe Thune gone in the the Super Bowl and they had to play, what, Nick Allegretti at left guard. Um, There's some legitimate holes that were on that team and they overcame it. And that's going to be a big thing as well. Like I said, there's not going to be any perfect team. You're going to need some injury luck. There's so much that goes into it, but think those things that I mentioned, running back two, go-to weapon, offensive line starter, offensive line depth, one more big-time player in the front seven, starting inside linebacker, inside linebacker depth, a slot corner, corner depth, two starting safeties, a kicker, and some players that make that jump to an elite level status. That's what they really need, but I think they can get there. They don't need all of it, like I said, but they need some of it. And I think Goody's in a pretty good situation where they can go out, do some shopping, and fix maybe some of the things that need fixing with a new defensive coordinator, some of the same things that they were able to do this past year on offense at the end of the year. I don't think this team is too far off. And like I very, very much want to reiterate from what I said on the onset, this is clearly a team that's in the Super Bowl conversation. There's no question about it. They should have that in their, their sights and they should be shooting for that. There's no reason not to. They were right there this year, but there's some holes, there's some gaps and Goody's got to do his best to fill those to give this team the absolute best opportunity to go and actually win that Super Bowl and bring a championship back to Green Bay. 
All right, that is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all-new episode. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wilde, Shea Dad, Brandon Paletta, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, David McCluskey, and Donald Decker. Again, I'll see you guys soon, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.